Okay, three, two, one, oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 346. My notes say 446. Wrong, not true. Uh, for total clarity today and transparency, I guess is the word, um, and you don't care about my health, but it's true. I got a canker sore really bad. My mouth hurts. Every time I open my mouth, it slides across my teeth. That stings really bad. So I'm a wimp, and I may or may not record uh, the second half of this show. I might put it out. I got three topics I desperately want to talk about. And you know it's a slow time of year when one of them is Aaron Rodgers on Jeopardy. <laughs> uh, I want to talk about Sam Darnold. I want to talk about college basketball, the national championship. After that, those three topics, uh, I'm going to take a break. I got family dinner tonight. I'm either going to put out just the three topics as a full episode, or I'm going to get back and say, did any other news happen? Uh, and I'll add a couple other topics. Sergio Perez. I got some thoughts about the 17 game season. They're not pressing. They could wait a couple days. So just we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, kind of a teaser there too. Uh, been working on the uh, award show. That's probably the very next episode of this podcast. And I hope we're doing very well, man. I, I, uh, I've been really, really busy. Like, oh, oh my goodness, family stuff. Uh, my best friend Elijah's in town from the Air Force. He's going to Japan for two years. So I'm trying to see him, like, because I, I don't want to, like, I, I, I'm not going to see him. So I, I, he's been gone for two years. COVID, I, he didn't meet my fiance the entire time we were together. I'm just rambling now. I want to jump in. Uh, let's talk about this thing. Dude, I got burned yesterday. I got... Oh, I got screwed yesterday. I was really pumped up. I put out an episode, got a fun topic, like the Bears should trade for Sam Darnold. I'm like, yeah, good stuff. I'm excited. It's a good topic. It's like, oh, somebody should trade for Sam Darnold. Like, why is this not being talked about? You know, the Bears need a quarterback. If they don't get a quarterback, they're going to get fired. You know, Matt Nagy, the coach, Ryan Pace, the GM. And I posted the episode. And mind you, I've been working at my desk for two hours between, uh, you know, kind of preparing the show, and then, I guess that's not true, I, I, I record the show, then I edit the show, and I put it out in another while of uploading, while the show is uploading, I'm not on my phone, I'm just making thumbnails and getting ready, and uh, I've got, you know, two clips ready, I'm like, I'm going to put out the, the Sam Darnold to the Bears clip, I'm so excited, that was going to go first in the full episode, and, uh, you know, <laughs> finally I post the show, I'm like, okay, I can take a little break, I go, go have lunch, and I look at my phone, Lo and behold, not even, I'm not kidding, 15 minutes before I posted the show, Sam Darnold got traded to the Carolina Panthers. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And I'd already posted the show. It's live. I'm like, well, I'm not going to touch it. It's kind of a weird, fun relic of the past. And so, oh, I got screwed, man. I got, I got really bad luck. And people were pretty nice to me. Uh, I a lot of I, I was surprised. People were like, oh, it's just bad luck. They, they felt had some sympathy there. Uh, I was just like, you got to be kidding me. Like, come on. Uh, however... The news made me very, very excited. So, quarterback Sam Darnold was traded to the Carolina Panthers. I love this move. Love. It's awesome. It's very happy. It made me sing just then. That's how happy I'm about it. That's it's embarrassing, but I did it, so I'm going to leave it in. Um, I like Carolina. I like their owner, David Tepper. I like their head coach, Matt Rule. I really like their offensive coordinator, Joe Brady. Matt Rule is not the offensive coordinator. Matt Rule, though, is a guy who I think is great at building culture. Reminds me a lot of a younger Pete Carroll, actually, where... Uh, he, he just, he oversees the operation and Matt rule is a guy I would, he's probably the coach that I would most want to work for in the NFL. Like I'd want to be, oh, dude, I'll go be his videographer. I don't care. I would love, I like Matt rule. Uh, I, 
Uh, that's all I'm going to say about Carolina. I like what they do. I, I like the people there a lot. Um, now, I also love Sam Darnold. I think Sam Darnold is a guy who really, really was put in an awful situation. And so everything Carolina's doing, I feel very good about. Coach, owner, uh, direction, players, personnel. Now they got a quarterback I really like. I'm like, oh my gosh, man, it's really, really exciting. So when the trade, Carolina got quarterback Sam Darnold. Great, good for them. Here's what they gave up to get Sam. The Jets got these three things. The Jets got a 2021 sixth round pick. The Jets also got a 2022 second round pick and a 2022 next year, 2022, fourth round pick. And I got to say, man, the Jets did fine here. They're going to draft Zach Wilson with the number two overall pick, a quarterback out of BYU, restart their franchise there. Uh, Mike LaFleur is their offensive coordinator. I feel pretty good. Like, I think Zach Wilson's going to do—it's unknown. I would think he does well. Got a good coach, got a good GM, got a good offensive coordinator there. Usually that's hard to screw up. Uh, It is New York. It's not a lot of weapons there. We'll just see. I'm really excited to see what Zach Wilson does. Now, Carolina crushed it. Oh, by the way, the Jets got that second-round pick for next year. We'll see what player that becomes. Maybe that becomes a key part of their rebuilding process in New York. But again— It's low-risk, high-reward for Carolina. They gave up basically nothing, especially if Sam Darnold becomes their franchise quarterback. You gave up a second-round pick and some later-round picks for— I I just, man, I I really, really, really think Carolina dominated this year. They crushed it. I I feel really happy for them. Uh, Mind you, Sam Darnold is 23 years old. He's younger than Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow was drafted two years after him. Now, Joe Burrow— had a great rookie year. Sam Darnold has never really shown the same promise that Joe Burrow did in his brief rookie season before he got hurt. But you also have to recognize, well, Sam has not gotten good coaching in the NFL. Bad coaching. Adam Gase. Oh, my gosh. I mean, the best way I can explain Adam Gase is that he's been riding on the coattails of working for Peyton Manning for years. And was he really the offensive coordinator when Peyton Manning was there? No, Peyton Manning, who worked with Gase, was the, running the show. Adam Gase was there. Like, I, I don't know what his role was, but it wasn't the same way he's had to be an offensive coordinator ever since. And he worked with Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill left Matt Adam Gase. Ryan Tannehill went to Tennessee and got better and did, was more successful. So, so far recently, everybody leaves Adam Gase and does better. It's only we signed one quarterback do that. But I, I, I really, really, you have to recognize Sam is a young guy who was in a horrible, horrible situation with the Jets. He had no help around him at all. Not a lot of weapons. Bad coaching. Sam needed a fresh start. It's good for everybody. Sam needed to get out. The Jets needed a new quarterback. I mean, the they could have tried to rehash it there, but it would have, I think it would have really reminded me of when the Lions kept rebuilding around Matthew Stafford over and over and over again. Sometimes, even if you have the right player, you just have to say, we need to restart and get a new person in the building because this person, we we've, we've, can't retread that over and over again. Now, here is why the Carolina Panthers got a steal in my opinion. So Trevor Lawrence is going to go number one overall. Zach Wilson, number two. Carolina has the number eight pick now. Uh, Meaning that in theory, depending on what happens ahead of them, it's possible Carolina could have gotten uh, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, or Mac Jones. So compare those three guys, the, the quarterbacks in the NFL draft, to Sam Darnold. Which one of those three Compared to Sam as NFL experience, none of them. Sam Darnold has NFL experience. Now, were the last three years for Sam Darnold uh, very 
pretty. No, no, they weren't. You know, and there were a lot of bad moments. I, I, I recognize there were some really embarrassing. The, the seeing ghosts game, uh, that, that Patriots game. Oh my gosh, there were the moments where like that. It's not good for Sam Darnold. However, Mac Jones, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, they're all 100% unproven. I got, I like Justin Fields. He's very, very talented. Got a lot of upside. He needs good coaching. Uh, and he had some bad moments last year. Trey Lance, I, I've never really been impressed with him as far as his quarterback ability playing in a game. I like, he's had a year and a half off. We'll see if he grows a lot. I think it's very possible Trey Lance is not the same quarterback today that he was last time he played a full season in North Dakota State because Ben's so long, he's been preparing for the NFL for a year and a half. That's a very, uh, that's a lot of time to grow. I think Trey Lance is going to be more ready than we think, probably going to be similar to Josh Allen where expectations are low. You're like, ah, he's got some accuracy problems, this and that. And then he comes to the NFL and gets better and better and better. And you're like, wow, year three, dude, Trey Lance is a different quarterback. That's very possible with Trey Lance. So keep that in mind. And Mac Jones, I like Mac Jones. There's a lot of reasons to... Doubt Mac Jones is not very mobile. He played with great talent around him. He's good, but here's my point. All three rookie quarterbacks that are going to enter the NFL, Mac, Justin uh, Fields, and Trey Lance, they're all going to need really good coaching if they want to be successful. The same is true about Sam Darnold. However, he was much cheaper. And you still got the number eight overall pick, so you can either draft a player, please, hopefully that can help Sam Darnold, a guy like Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, uh, Jalen Waddle, somebody who's a great, amazing talent who you can go, mm, we're going to help Sam finally have some offensive weapons. That's very possible. The other thought is I, I, maybe they trade down. Maybe Carolina says, we'll take the Patriots or the Bears draft pick and you know we'll take some really good first round picks from New England or Chicago and have a really good future building down the road for Sam Darnold. That's also very, very possible. And despite some bad moments in the NFL, Sam Darnold has also made some amazing plays. There are some stuff that I, I think Sam Darnold got kind of buried in New York where it's a bad football team, not winning a lot of games. There are some plays he has made where you're like, clearly the talent is there. Sam has high capacity to do really, really good stuff in the NFL. He just needs consistent coaching and you know, stability around him. And again, he's very, very young with some NFL experience. And so I, I, I think Sam Darnold, I, I'll say this, man, I love the move. Sam Darnold gets to work with Joe Brady. Uh, the dude, Joe Brady at LSU, helped elevate Joe Burrow from basically nobody. No offense to Joe. He was like a sixth or seventh round pick his first year at LSU. He worked with Joe Brady for a year, became, went from basically nobody to the Heisman Trophy winner and the number one overall pick. Now, Joe Burrow, I think, pretty clearly has a maniacal work ethic. He, he worked his butt off to make that happen. You can't give all the credit to Joe Brady. But I, I've been around Sam Darnold. I've seen how he works. And him, his work ethic with Joe Brady, and finally a good situation in Carolina, it's a recipe for success. I love that. It's really, really going to be awesome. And he took a giant leap forward. Adam Gase to Joe Brady? That's not even a conversation. Who is way, way better? So, like, I'm really excited to look back five years from now, ten years from now. We're looking at, okay, because I consider Sam Darnold almost, in a weird way, a member of the 2021 NFL draft class. Where I, I think, like, hey, we're going to compare Sam Darnold to Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson. Especially Zach Wilson, because he got they replaced one with the other. Trey Lance, Mac Jones. When we look back on this draft class, and then you add Sam Darnold. 
Who's the most successful? I mean, I it's it's very possible it's Sam Darnold. Now, whoever gets to go work with Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco, that dude is set up to be very, very well supported. George Kittle, a good offensive line, a genius coach. Like, the guy in San Francisco is going to get a really good setup. I think that's hard to screw up based on who's available. Three talented young guys, uh, Fields, Trey Lance, or Mac Jones. They all got a lot of talent working with a coach that good. I go... They're probably going to succeed. I'd be I'd be very surprised if the 49ers did not do very, very well with whatever quarterback they choose, number three overall. But Carolina might have gotten the best situation. I guess what I'm saying, they might have the best situation to develop a young quarterback where they got stable owner, great head coach, Matt Rule, great offensive coordinator, Jill Brady. They have that number, the number eight overall pick. They could draft... Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, Kyle Pitts, somebody who can help Sam Darnold succeed in the NFL. Give him an offensive weapon. And I, I'm so excited, man. Uh, sometimes you get a good player who goes to a... I mean, I talked to Ryan Leaf about this. You get a good player who goes to a bad situation. Doesn't matter how good they are. Sometimes if you go to dysfunction, the Lions, the Browns, uh, you know, Brady Quinn, Matt Leiner... Um, I'm trying to think there are guys who went to Matthew Stafford. There are people who, and Matthew Stafford's an example of he, he did the best he could to overcome the culture in Detroit and was really held back by that. But my point is Carson Palmer is another example where to really do what he wanted in the NFL, he had to leave Cincinnati. Sam has floundered for three years, but he's been really, really limited by his organization, by the coach and by the players around him. Uh, and I don't want to make excuses. Sam needs work. He needs to get better. He needs coaching. He needs to uh, improve as a player. Undoubtedly, I'm not making excuses for Sam Darnold. That's not, my, that's not what I'm trying to do. But I am saying that he's been in a really bad situation. And I, I literally had Ryan Leaf on the show to talk about that. You know, the number two overall pick. The Some people consider Ryan the biggest draft bust in the NFL. We talked all about that, what that experience is like and how you handle that. Um, but, but he always makes a point to say, like, guys, it's more than Ryan owns. He's part of why he failed. And he's a big, he probably, I think in my opinion, Ryan takes too much blame for himself. I think the people that were in the building in San Diego, between you and me, I, I Ryan would never say this. And I don't think he, he never clearly never said this to me, but I've watched a lot of interviews from his coach and the way his former coach talked about him. And I'm like, dude, you're just throwing Ryan under the bus. No one's taking any accountability. Like there's like one coach in San Diego was like, we just expected him to come talk to us. It's like, you ex- you got to go to him. Like, what do, you, what do you mean? I think there's a lot of dysfunction in San Diego that no one ever talks about relating to Ryan Leaf. So my point is Sam Darnold had a lot of dysfunction in New York. My long rambling way of saying that. And uh, look, Sam is finally going to have support around him. Uh, they, you know, paid nothing to get him. They still have a top 10 pick. Guys, I've been wrong before and time will tell. But, oh, my goodness, I feel very, very good about Sam Darnold in Carolina. I love the move. Uh, I believe Sam will do very, very well in Carolina. And, uh, I mean, this is literally my dream scenario. I made a video about this five months ago talking about how there is not a more perfect place in the entire NFL for Sam Darnold to go than Carolina. A young, up-and-coming franchise, good head coach, good owner, uh, the situation they have. So I love Joe Brady, their offensive coordinator. He's really good at putting his players in a position to be successful. Play design, creative play design. Uh, really, really, 
I, I love the way. Watch how we used Curtis Samuel last year. Curtis Samuel worked as a running back and a receiver last year. Like, whatever is best for his skill set, we're going to call that play. That stuff's going to happen for Sam, finally. And I I think, man, Joe Brady, Sam Darnold, uh, Robbie Anderson is there. He played with Sam on the Jets. They had a really good connection there. Teddy Bridgewater is currently the starting quarterback in Carolina. Uh, Sam will have to take that job away from him at some point. That's also good. Uh, Sam was really thrown to the wolves very early. Now, he actually has worked with Teddy Bridgewater before. I believe he won the job from Teddy. Uh, But they know each other, and there's no rush to put Sam on the field. Take him in. Let him learn. If he's not ready day one, I don't think he will be. He can sit behind Teddy Bridgewater, learn the offense. Uh, There's no hurry there. Sam Darnold is an investment for Carolina, but it's really cheap. And it's kind of like buying Bitcoin very early on where people bought Bitcoin for like nothing and got massively wealthy later because the price just skyrocketed. And so I think Sam Darnold's very similar. I I think Sam Darnold is going to be a really, really, uh, what's the word? Like a a really profitable investment for Carolina. And um, I I just think he's finally in a good position to do very, very well. And I could not be more excited about Sam Darnold going to Carolina. Like, oh, yes. That was my reaction. I just was like so happy about it. And I cannot wait to see what happens in Carolina. And 10 years from now, 10 years from now, we'll look back and go, hmm. Of all the quarterbacks drafted in that year, was Sam Darnold maybe not the most successful? Okay, uh, last night, Baylor beat Gonzaga in the college basketball men's national championship. I watched it. Uh, Baylor won the title game. It was not a close game. Uh, Baylor won 86-70. to And, uh... Oh, man. Baylor was actually up 19 points uh, for a moment in the first half. I mean, it was just not a... Baylor was bigger, faster, stronger. They physically dominated Gonzaga. It was a mismatch. I mean, literally, I'm not kidding. They were like... They just dominated inside. A great example of that is how, you know, Baylor had 38 rebounds. Gonzaga had 22. Just they just utter domination inside physically. Uh, and personally, I felt like Baylor winning was the least interesting way the title game could play out where I wanted a close game. Gonzaga is my local team. Uh, and I, shamelessly, I was rooting for like Not very much, but like I would have liked to see Gonzaga win. It would have been cool. Well, yeah, they're local. I've been to the school. I, I, it'd be nice. I, like, I didn't go there, but I might have been to the campus and hung out there and worked at basketball games. And uh, I've seen Mark Few up close. Like, it'd be, be kind of cool if they won a championship. Like, huh, I've been to that building. Uh, and more importantly, though, because my priority, I don't really care about teams. I, I root for players. My priority was I want a close game. Whether Gonzaga wins or Baylor wins, I don't care. As long as it's tense and close and interesting near the end of the game, I'd be very happy. And it, now if Gonzaga had won in a blowout, and it's not a love blowouts, but hey, at least you could say, well, it's interesting and cool because Gonzaga would have been the first team since 1976 to go undefeated and win a national title. We didn't get that. We kind of got the least interesting outcome where Baylor dominated. They won in a blowout. Uh, and uh, I, I guess I will say my boredom transitioned in the second half, kind of midway in the second half, my boredom transitioned to respect for Baylor because they were playing really good defense, really good basketball. Uh, they really, really got stifled and suffocated Gonzaga on offense. Gonzaga's offense uh, which has been, they move the ball very, very well. They score a ton of points. They couldn't do anything last night. They were just total. The word is suffocated, man. They Baylor's defense put a lot of pressure on them. 
They were forcing Gonzaga to make tough shots. They're like, we are not going to give you any easy buckets. You have to earn it. And and Gonzaga, frankly, like, didn't have the physical ability to hang with Baylor. <laughs> I, I, and I, you got to respect it, man. The better team won, like, by a lot. And I do wonder if, uh, you know, Baylor was number two all year. Baylor, this is a fact. Baylor was a number two ranked team all year in college basketball. And they had to watch Gonzaga get ranked number one and stay there all year. And Gonzaga, uh, I, I've been there. Like, I like them. But they play in a really, really weak conference. They play nobody. And so they're playing cupcake opponent after cupcake, cupcake opponent, dominating like they should if they're a good basketball team. Sure. Uh, but I, and then remember, Gonzaga was supposed to play Baylor like December 5th. Gonzaga got COVID. Game didn't happen. I bet Baylor's sitting there like, you guys are lucky. If you'd played us, you wouldn't be undefeated now. I wonder how much that, I don't think it matters, because they want to win the title more than they want to beat Gonzaga, but I'm sure it felt good to win a title against Gonzaga and go, oh, they're number one, huh? Yeah, sure. And no, they're not. We kicked their behinds. And um, I just, I'm sure the fact they got to do it against Gonzaga must have felt good. Also, I got to say, well done by Scott Drew. The Baylor coach, he's been there for years and years. I think 18 years now. Since 2003, it was his introductory press conference. 18, 17 seasons. I don't know. I, you can look it up. I don't really care. Been there for a long, long time. And it's been a slow journey turning the Baylor basketball program around, the men's team. Uh, you know, Brittany Griner, Baylor, the good women's team. Baylor's men's team is, was really, really bad for a long time. Scott Drew turned them around. Good for Scott Drew. I am, I'm just... I can't imagine that feeling when you take a horrible program, you're invested. You sp- it's like your life's work. The culmination of Scott Drew's life's work, his whole career at Baylor, led to him winning a title last night. Good for him. Good for the players. I'm really happy for them. Uh, and I-, I like Gonzaga. I like their coach, Mark Few. Uh, but, I'm, I'm, you know, Baylor was clearly the better team. And, uh, man, last night was a job well done. So good job for Baylor. Happy for Scott Drew. Happy for the players. And uh, it was... Not the game I wanted, and not even because Baylor uh, won. I, I just wanted a close game, and it wasn't a close game. I was disappointed at that. But like I said, as the game went on and Baylor dominated more and more, uh, my my boredom and disappointment kind of transitioned to respect. And I finished the game going, wow, good for Baylor. That That's actually a really good win uh, in college basketball, and I respect it. Uh, let's shift gears. Another thing from last night. So we had the national championship. We had the Sam Darnold trade. And we kind of, the nightcap for me was I put on Jeopardy for the first time in my entire life. I've never watched Jeopardy uh, until then. And like, one thing I got to say about Jeopardy, and I was there because obviously Aaron Rodgers, the Packers quarterback, guest hosted the show. I never watched Jeopardy, but I very quickly, I turn on the show, first time ever, you hear the music. It's the first time, like, oh, I recognize. I'm like, oh, I recognize that music. I, I remember like, Anytime in baseball, a batter was taking too long or like people kind of hum that. And I, 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 I somehow had a connection to Jeopardy I'd never known. And I guess I've seen some, some skits about Jeopardy, but I, I just had never really watched the Jeopardy thing. So first of all, it's a good show. Um, I much faster than I would have thought. Very like it's 30 minutes. It's like bang, 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 question after question after question. And uh, it's kind of fun to guess the questions as the contestants go. Like good time. Now, uh, Aaron Rodgers got me to watch it. The draw worked. Uh, I became a fan, actually. I liked Jeopardy. I imagine Jeopardy is kind of like Survivor, where people watch Jeopardy, 
Then they go on the show and they know the show. They know how to do it better because they've watched the show for years, kind of like people go on Survivor. They've watched that for years. Now, Aaron as a guest host was great. Uh, I, like if Aaron retires from football in a couple of years and becomes the full-time Jeopardy host, I think I'd be not surprising and he'd be really good at it. He's like phenomenally good at that job. Uh, and I think most importantly, in a weird way, it is Aaron Rodgers, but you actually don't notice he's there. Like it could have been anybody because Aaron, Aaron is so good at that job where he's not drawing all the attention on him. He's not screwing up. It's, it's seamless. And, uh, it's, it's not about him. He fits it very well. And I mean, he's very well prepared. You can tell that, which I think is something that does translate from playing quarterback to being a host on a show is you have to be very well prepared. Aaron was, he's got, he read like a lot of his job is reading stuff on the show, reading question and reading, you know, lots of like nerdy words. He did it very well, was very well prepared. Uh, his inflection was always on point. He was a very clear speaker. And that's most of his job was reading and he killed it and he was personable and fun. And I, I, I liked it, man. I really, I was like, huh, Aaron, well done. Now, um, one notable thing happened in this moment is during final jeopardy where I hit my mic at the end of jeopardy. Uh, you, you write down the final jeopardy answer. One contestant, Scott didn't know the answer. So he wrote, um, who wanted to kick that field goal? Kind of taking a, a, a fun jab at the Packers, uh, game in the playoffs where, they kicked a field goal, even though they probably should have gone for it on the goal line. And uh, Aaron very quickly diffused. I don't even remember. It's so it was so like not controversial. I don't even know what happened. Like I saw the moment, but it was like a TV moment. But what? It just for me, I was like, huh, that's not really. Um, it's not that like Aaron was good, and it was kind of actually not very noteworthy, other than Aaron's there because Aaron did such a good job. Was so professional. There's no real controversial moments. Um, but I, I will say like. Not a lot of notable stuff happened. However, Aaron was a good draw. It got me to watch Jeopardy at a great time. And uh, I think I'm going to – I added it to my – I have YouTube TV, which is great. You can have a gigantic DVR, like endless DVR. So I just recorded like every episode for the rest of time. And uh, as Aaron does more shows, I'll probably watch them over time and have a good time. And it's so short. It's a great like lunch break TV show where uh, – because you can fast forward through commercials if you record it. So I just – I'll probably have my soup for lunch and I will – watch Aaron Rodgers do Jeopardy for the next two weeks and have a good time. And I really, I, I had, I, if you want to watch it, I recommend it. It was actually interesting and fun. And if you've never watched Jeopardy before, it's very low investment because it's quick and short and snappy. And I uh, had a good time. So guys, that's all I have. Uh, we're 26 minutes in. Meaning I, I, I don't, I, I I'm going to, you'll know, cause the show is either going to have more time or not. I'm probably going to put out the breakouts and then, record more tonight and add to it um, because I there's a couple things that are like not I don't know I, I just don't know what to do I'll, I'm gonna go to family dinner we'll see what happens then I might add more to the show I might not I love you I appreciate you and uh, if I don't see you again the rest of this episode hope you have a great day alright we are back hope you're doing very very well uh, I am back from family dinner I'm not kidding it's literally been seven hours it's been a long long time since I recorded the beginning of this show. Uh, I got to say, I'm really lucky. I got a lot of people in my life I consider family that are not actually blood relatives. They're people who uh, I've kind of adopted into my life. They kind of adopted me into their life through good relationships, through, uh, you know, building connection. And through, you know, I just, they've been there for me through a lot of hard times. And actually it's the place I used to record my podcast back in a basement. You might've seen it a long time ago. 
Um, and I just went to dinner, with, you know, went to their house. We had dinner, played Settlers of Catan, an amazing game. And I just was reminded of uh, how lucky I am to have really good people in my life. And I, I got to tell you, if you have family problems, uh, my family, my parents are divorced. When my brother's gone, um, you, you can still have a good family experience, even if it's not people that are your blood relatives. So I'm lucky. I got my mom and my dad that are my blood are awesome. But I just have a, I grew my family even more. And I just encourage you. You can have really, really meaningful connections with people that feel like family, even if they're not actually blood relatives. I can't say that enough. Go find connections, find people, find your people. Uh, you can do that. Uh, they don't have to be your blood relatives. And uh, I'm, I'm really, really lucky. Every time I see them, I'm like, ah, I'm reminded of how lucky I am to have that group of people. Uh, today. So what I want to do uh, is I got three topics I want to share and talk about. They are... They're not really – they're not enough to make a full show out of them. Uh, I, they're kind of like tidbits. They're three little things that I, I want to share that I could not – I couldn't hold it any longer because it's really got to fit at the end of a show because the next episode is the SOS NFL Awards. It's going to be 10 gigantic awards with trophies and highlights and a lot of fun. Uh, I think it will be very, very entertaining. After that. Uh, assuming some gigantic news story doesn't break, like uh, Russell Wilson is traded to Chicago or something insane like that. After that, we're going to do the NFL draft quarterback breakdowns. I'm going to share my thoughts on who I consider to be the top seven quarterbacks in the draft. So that's coming up too. So I'm like, what do I do with these like three miscellaneous topics? We're going to talk about them right now. Uh, I want to start with this. The NFL announced that they are now going to begin a 17-game regular season. Everything's going to be extended by a game. It starts this year in 2021. There will only be three preseason games, and then, of course, the 17 regular season games. I've been pretty quiet. This was not announced recently. It's kind of been a while. And I didn't want to just react, like, oh, here's my thought, and I wanted to sit on it and do some journaling and write about it and think about it, and I came up with two things that I think are the most impacted by this announcement. So number one, when I think about having a longer season, I think about injuries. Pretty obvious when you add more games, there's then also more opportunities for people to get hurt. Uh, and a lot of people have a hard enough time playing a 16-game regular season, let alone 17 games. That's a long, long time. And the two positions I believe are going to be most affected by adding an extra game and I think, man, people are like, oh, it's only one game. I know, but 16 games is probably already pushing the human body beyond what it should for like a running back or an offensive lineman, a defensive lineman. Adding an extra game is a big deal for linemen, for running backs. Uh, and there will now be more rotation than ever before. I believe at the offensive line, especially at running back. I mean, teams that have one running back, Saquon Barkley, Derrick Henry, Great, but they have to have a number two running back. You have to have another guy who can be in the mix in the rotation. And people know that already, but this year and having an extra game is really going to reinforce that, oh my gosh, we have to really put a focus on keeping people healthy because there is not, it's, it's a long, long season. And unfortunately, first of all, running backs, more than any other position, offensive line is in there. I mean, the, the trenches in the offensive line, offensive line versus defensive line, there's a lot of, they hit their heads, there's a lot of, the knees are messed up. It's, it's really, really brutal in the trenches. But also running backs, they get the tar beat out of them. Running backs in particular, man, 
get beat up. And unfortunately, the running back position and playing that position just got less valuable. I don't, I'm not, that's not good. I, I feel like every time I talk about the running back position, it's doom and gloom. Don't play running back, play quarterback, play receiver, play anything but play cornerback, not running back, because running backs are expendable and they're going to be even more expendable now moving forward. Teams are going to realize, well, we have to have a number two back who we can have a one-two punch with because it's just not sustainable to have one guy run for 17 games in a row, then a playoff run. It's, it's a lot. Your body just cannot handle that. And um, teams are going to start leaning on younger and younger running backs, rookie contracts, guys who are low investment. They're not paid a lot of money, guaranteed. Uh, and if, they, if you are a guy looking for a second contract, frankly, they would rather just bring in a rookie who has got less mileage, who uh, got a lot, maybe a younger body. They are just happy to replace you. That's the reality, unfortunately, with the running back position. And teams, because of adding an extra game to the NFL regular season, are going to have to get creative with how they rest players and how they, you know, take a game off week eight randomly to keep somebody healthy or give them time to rehab or, you know, a lot of substitutions to keep a guy, uh, you know, off the field to keep his legs fresh. I mean, that's we're going to see a lot more of that, I think, than ever before. In fact, I saw an article out there that was like, maybe Aaron Rodgers should only play um, 15 of the 17 games next year. Like maybe the Packers should rest Aaron Rodgers for two games and let Jordan Love play against two bad teams to keep Aaron safe and give Jordan Love some reps. Interesting conversations like that are going to start popping up everywhere and player safety is going to be something people are going to have to consider more and more because of adding an extra game. I know people are like, it's only one game, but you don't realize how hard it is. 16 games is a lot, let alone that extra one. It's just going to bring more awareness to people in the building going, oh, we got to take care of our guys. We, we can't just let our guys get beat to tar for week after week after week. Now, another result of adding more games, pretty obviously, is that more records will be broken. Again, it's just a, a simple result of opportunity. The more opportunity you have to play and put up big numbers, the more opportunity you will have to break records. Offensive records in particular are going to get shattered. The, the rules are getting softer and softer and more and more favorable to offense. And there's going to be more games. I, I'm telling you guys, regular season and even career records. I mean, a player who starts their career, Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, guys like that, they have literally more games in their career to work with than guys who played previously. It's just, it's simple math. They're going to have a higher opportunity to make, set all kinds of crazy records in the NFL. And then the other thing, of course, that I think about, that kind of the final third brief thing, is that obviously by adding another game, the NFL is going to make more money. The league will make more money. It's more opportunity. The more meaningful games you have, the more meaningful ads you can run in games. Advertisers are very happy about this. They're going to be, there's going to be more money all around for the billionaires in the league. Not the millionaires, not even the poorer guys. You don't realize like a lot of NFL players are not millionaires. They are guys who make... Very good money for a couple of years, and then their career is over, and they are not set for life, even a little bit. So uh, there's also a weird wrinkle. I need to do more research on this. I couldn't. There's not a lot of information out there. I saw Adam Schefter put out there. Let me try to find it. He said that as a result of having a 17-game regular season, there's going to be 
the way they pay players will change. Let me find it. He said, uh, let me find it. Oh, we're so close. We are so close. Hmm. Little known fact, starting this year, NFL player salaries will be pay will be paid over 36 weeks as opposed to the 17 in which players had been paid. So players will be paid over a longer amount period of time. I am very skeptical when I hear that. I mean, it makes me think, well, it's a longer amount of time to cut somebody and make it so you don't have to pay them anymore. I don't know that NFL players are going to benefit from that. That scares me. Uh, I think that means less guaranteed money for people in my opinion. We'll find out, but I, I don't like that. I, I really go, uh, when are the, I, I don't know a lot about that topic. Is it before the season? Like, is it the, the off season where it starts in training camp? They get paid then? I don't know. I have no idea, but I'm, I'm really, really fascinated about how that is going to, is it good or bad? I don't know. And if you do know, please reach out to me. I want to find out about that. But apparently the way players are getting paid is also going to change. So that's some of the things that are going to change because of a 17-game regular season. Most of it is, again, health and wealth <laughs> and records. So yes, those are my thoughts on adding a 17-game regular season to the mix in the NFL. Uh, now I want to shift gears now. I... Uh, I want to give my friend Mark a shout out. You guys may or may not know. A lot of you guys don't know. <laughs> you, you weren't there for it. I started this podcast in a college dorm room, Washington State University. And uh, it, by the way, it was actually, it was awful. This show, I, I went back and watched an early episode of this show. Oh man, my God. Uh, I, I was awful then. I think I'm going to be better hopefully five years from now. I mean, I started it four years ago, 2017. I started the show. And I leave up those old episodes so people can look and see how far we've come. My friend Mark was actually on an episode, like the very first couple episodes I did a show. And uh, from my dorm room, you went, you took a left out of my dorm, you hang, hung a left, and then Mark was down on the right side. And Mark was one of those people who really, really supported me early on. It was very kind and um, uplifting to me about, hey, dude, pursue this. Keep going. Like, you can, keep, you can do it. And it was very, very encouraging to me. And uh, Mark and I were catching up the other day. I was like, what, what do you got going on? What's happening? And he told me about how he's involved with this thing called the American Wiffle Association. So I, I encourage you, go to the YouTube. Go the YouTube. I can't even talk. Go to YouTube. Look up the, what is it, the name of it? AFA Wiffle Ball. AWA. Did I say AFA? AWA Wiffle Ball. Or go to TikTok, AWA Wiffle. They have like 88,000 followers on TikTok. I was blown. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a big deal. And I watch some of their content, and it's entertaining. It's fun. Uh, it's a lot of, like, first of all, it's very novel. They built a really, really cool, like, backyard stadium up in the Seattle area. I was blown out. Like, this is a amazing, amazing. There's, like, trees hanging over. They got the whole the yellow piping along the fence and a really cool infield. And it looks like a blast. And watching it gave me a ton of joy. It reminded me of something like Dude Perfect or... Uh, like Gel's Marble Run. It's kind of somewhere in that range between. And I was blown away by the production value. I was blown away by the organization. I could never, ever put on something like this. Again, it's AWA Wiffle Ball, uh, American Wiffle Association. I just, Mark, you and your guys, well done. Uh, again, it reminds me, there's a YouTube channel called Gel's Marble Run where you watch it and it has this unexpected level of organization, but it's actually more impressive to me what 
the AWA is doing than Jell's Marble Run because there's a lot of people involved. It's logistical. It's organizing people and herding people around. And oh, um, I, I just the, the the organization of how they do it. I can't imagine having a bunch of teams and a bunch of people. Uh, and it looks genuinely fun. It makes me like I want. Can I come play? Hey, Mark, can I come play in a game? Like be a guest star? I don't know. I would love to play in a game. Um, and I just you know it's not for everybody. I think it's very very cool. My fiance did not enjoy it the same way I did. Uh, but I they have like a they sent me a bunch of videos. They have like a top ten plays. They have a video a video to like their most exciting game. There's a bunch of stuff out there. Go find their content. It's just fun and entertaining and if you like baseball at all uh it's just really like kind of novel and fun and i had a good time and i i'm not just saying this because mark you know and i talked about it i, I looked at what mark was doing and i'm like this is cool it deserves some recognition and some respect so go find the awa uh wiffle ball youtube channel or their tiktok is like popping it's huge and i have been very very anti-tiktok for a long long time and then I realized, wait, TikTok is, like, way better than Twitter. Like, I, I hate Twitter with a passion, and I hated TikTok till I realized every time I watch TikTok, it makes me happy. <laughs> and so, I mean, that you cannot, no matter what you say, TikTok makes me feel very good. I have a good time, and um, so does the AWA, uh, American Wiffle Association. Go look it up. It's a good time. And, Mark, again, you guys, everyone there, the logistics you guys must have dealt with, too, make content, put stuff on YouTube, the editing, the having people to play in games at all. I just am blown away. I could never put together something like that. It's a big undertaking. You made a whole league. Uh, very, very well done, Mark, and everyone there. The AWA, you guys are awesome. If you ever want a guest player, I'll, I'll come play. I'll put my banner, the Strong Opinion Sports banner in the uh, outfield. They can be really, really fun. Let me know and uh, keep doing what you guys are doing. And guys out there, look it up. AWA, American Wiffle Association. It's fun. It's exciting. It's cool. Uh, it's just like novel and eclectic and a good time. I encourage you to go check it out. Uh, finally, I want to end with this. Uh, I want to talk about Formula One. So if you're not a Formula One person, goodbye. Have a great day. No problem. I've been thinking a lot about Sergio Perez and the race he had in the opening race of the Formula One season at Bahrain. And so... Race number one, Sergio Perez had a ton of problems off the track, you know, mechanical problems where stuff he couldn't control. And he ended up starting the race in P20, which is awful. But very last on the grid, literally, I think he literally started from pit lane because he had, uh, he lost power to his car. It was like just really, really unfortunate. And what's really impressive about this race, and the more time I spend reflecting on it, the more I go from what I thought was disappointing at the time, I remember going like, that's just awful and now i look at it and go well but it's also in a weird way very encouraging he went from p20 last in the race he finished p5 he worked his way all the way through the pack up to p5 by the finish of the race that shows a tremendous amount of pace so i, I on one hand what happened in the race for sergio perez awful unfortunate really really bad but the more i think about it the more i go well if red bull can get him to have a good qualifying session at the next race if he can qualify well and maybe start somewhere closer than P20, uh, he'll probably do very, very... He's got incredible pace in that Red Bull car. And for so long, I've been watching Red Bull going, please, can you finally challenge Mercedes? And this year, it looks like they have the pace to do that. But they need a number two car behind Max Verstappen, maybe even in front of Max Verstappen, 
to challenge Mercedes up at the front for podium positioning if they can figure out qualifying and get him up to the front. Sergio Perez very clearly has the pace. And that's something when I look back on my analysis of the Bahrain race, the Bahrain Grand Prix, I just had like, I was very short-sighted. I was kind of emotional and frustrated. Like, dang it, they couldn't figure it out with Sergio Perez. But the reality is, as I think about it now, well, going from P20 to P5, in an odd way, it's encouraging because it shows the pace he can have when he does well. And if only he can start closer up, they're really going to be very, very competitive. And Red Bull, as much as it was disappointing, it's also in a weird way oddly encouraging that he actually is exactly what Red Bull needs from a partner to Max Verstappen. And so it's just going to be a very, very special Formula One season. I cannot wait to watch how things play out. Uh, I shamelessly am rooting for Red Bull to challenge Mercedes. I, uh, I I would like to see them beat Mercedes. I've been I've been like really wanting that for a long time. And how cool would it be if this was the year that happened? So um, Sergio Perez might exactly, even though he had a bad race one, did he though? He actually had a good race. It just started badly. He could be the answer to everybody's prayers, watching and hoping that Red Bull can someday beat. Mercedes. Guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. Thank you so very much. I love you. I appreciate you. Um, I'll see you guys next episode. It'll be the SOS NFL Awards. It'll be a lot of fun. And um, man, <sighs> quarterbacks, the NFL draft, a lot of stuff's happening. It's coming up. I am just really, really enjoying my job. I love sports. I love football. Uh, I just am having a great time. Hope you have a great day. I love you. But um bum bam, we are done.